0: If you're turning with me in your Bibles today, we're going to be in Isaiah 43. And so today's going to be a little bit different than usual. Well, obviously, it's already been a little different than usual because we started an hour early. So uh, um, we'll see how it goes. And I'm kind of I'm liking it. We'll get out of here in time to go do some stuff. Um, but we're talking about the new. You know, I told you a little bit last week that we were going to be talking about the new, the new thing that God wants to do, the new thing that he wants to pour out. And so today, when I say it's going to be a little bit different than usual is, you know, normally I turn to several different passages in the Bible or we might look at a story and several verses and stuff. And today we're going to look at the same verse and we're going to look at three different translations because I've been studying this verse a lot and there's several different words that are used in the different translations. And uh, we're just going to kind of kind of break this thing down and get it started talking about the new. And then we'll probably be in the same vein for the next few weeks. So we're talking about something new, the new thing. And I don't want you to miss the point as we're talking about the new thing over the next couple of weeks and just start thinking of new things. All right, I'm not talking about like, yeah, we got to get a new a new truck, a new car, a new house, a new new things because I think you'll miss the new thing that God wants to do in every one of you and us. See, I think we all want the new. All right, if I came up to each one of you individually and said, "Hey, would you like the new thing that God has for you?" Would you like to see a transformation in any area of your life? Would, would you like a new relationship? Would you like a new anointing poured out on you? Would you like new power from God to do the things that he's called you to do? Would you like a new future? I'm, I'm pretty sure every single one of you, I would think, is going to say, oh, yeah, I want it. Yeah. Yeah, give me the new. See, I think we all want the new, but God says you can't have the new with the same old you. We keep wanting the new without changing you. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at a few verses and some stuff that Jesus said, but you can't have the new with the same old you. You've got to change. You know, they say the definition of insanity is that you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting to get different results. So if we want to see something new, then we're going to have to do something new. We're going to have to change it up. We're going to have to change our mindset. We're going to have to change our patterns. We're going to have to change our habits. That's a hard one. As humans, we just all get stuck in these ruts and in habits, and and we just do what we do, and we don't even think about it. They say 40% of the things that you do in a day are not even a result of a conscious decision. It's just habits that you've already set into place. Think about that. 40% of what you do in a day is just stuff that you've already previously set up in your life and formed habits. And then you just do it. It's just automatic. It takes a conscious effort and discipline to change those habits. But if you don't, you'll never see the new. You just get stuck in these ruts and it's the same old thing year after year. Like we talked about last week, as long as you're still alive, you can step into a million tomorrows and never create a future. I Never walk into the future that God has for you because you're stuck in the old. So I want the new. I want the new thing that God has for my life. I'm searching for that. I believe God is revealing that and giving me that. I want new vision. I want new power, new anointing, new. And I want that for us as a church, and I want that for you as individuals. And I believe God's going to give us that. If we're hungry for that. Jesus said, seek and you will find. What is it that you're seeking for? What do you mean, Dusty? It takes a sacrifice. I'm telling you, just right off the bat, there's a cost. If you want the new, there's a cost associated with it. It's not just a, hey, I'm gonna stand up and raise my hand and God's gonna pour it out on me because you couldn't handle it. So there's a cost associated with it. How much does it cost? Think about anything in the natural. What the nicest thing you can get? It costs more. How much new do you want? There's a sacrifice. There will be a cost. And you're going to have to leave some things behind. See, to walk into the new, there are some things that you can't carry into that. You won't be able to travel. I was... uh, Blessed to be at the airport this week where I'm not there very often at the airport um, but I got to fly to fly to Orlando and pick up a donation for the church and then drive a truck back and you'll be hearing some more about that donation we're going to do some cool things with, with some stuff that I went down there and picked up between now and Christmas and it's going to bless a lot of you and bless a lot of kids in the community and stuff so it was a really cool trip and a cool thing um, but as I was in the airport, I was thinking about the new and about traveling and just, you know, I can jump on an airplane in Atlanta and in, what, less than two hours I can be sitting in Orlando walking around. It was kind of a crazy thing and even just the weather change and stuff. But where where was I going with this? Hold on. Oh, standing there going through the security You know, they got somebody standing up there and he's yelling over and over. Right, take off your belts, take off your shoes, empty your pockets. You can't have anything like you're supposed to know. You can't carry stuff through. And this guy in front of me, like, he puts his stuff in the bins. They start screaming at him. They said, put it in separate bins. He piles it all in the same bin. The guy said, I'm yelling it over and over and over. What do you not understand? Move the laptop out of there. Put the backpack in a separate one. So they back up. And then he takes the bin that I was trying to use and puts his laptop in it. And I'm, okay, all right. He's just trying to go on through. And then he tries to walk through. Metal detector goes off. They stop him. They start checking him. They say, sir, are you wearing a belt? This joker pulls up his shirt and had, I don't know if he was a championship rodeo bull rider or something but he had a belt buckle that was I mean that thing was that big around metal and had jewels in it and all kind of I'm like what is wrong with this dude like how do you not do you not understand they're like sir you can't come through with the backup so they back him up and he he takes off his belt and you know he's taking it off and then he tried to come back through and they said it went off again and he's like getting annoyed <sighs> y'all stopping me again you know i got my flight blah 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 and all while i'm like waiting behind this guy because i can't go through the metal detector until he's done and they say sir your pocket's empty and they come up to him with the little wand this time right they got him standing there and they're going with the wand and they're stopping by one of his pockets and they're saying sir um what do you have in that pocket and he's like nothing i emptied my pocket oh my keys but not it wasn't like one or two keys like I've got here. You know, this joker had like, I don't know if he was a maintenance man and needed a key for every door in a very large warehouse or what, but like the big old wad. like how do you forget that that's in your pocket? Dude, they told you ten times you empty your pockets. What do you usually do? I stick my hands in my pockets and see if anything's in there. Apparently he didn't. They back him back up again. He puts his keys on another tray. Now this man's used about 10 trays with all his stuff going through there. And then comes back through and and, and finally the guy gets through. And on the other side, you know, he's like complaining, trying to put his shoes and his, you know, his big old belt buckle back on and stuff. And as I was sitting there looking at him and putting my shoes back on, I felt like God said something to me as I've been studying for this message and thinking about it. And I, I felt like what God said is some things don't travel into the future. Right? There are some things that you can't take where you're trying to go. So like I'm trying to leave Atlanta and go to Orlando to pick up this great blessing and, and it's going to be good for the church and all these things. But get, if I have a pocket knife in my pocket that I'm not willing to let go of, I'm not traveling from Atlanta to Orlando. And I felt like I was supposed to tell you today as we start out the message that there are some things that you're holding on to and some things from your past. There's maybe some unforgiveness or some bitterness or there are certain things that aren't going to travel well into your future and that you're going to have to let go of to go where God wants to take you. Like you're going to have to let it go. You're going to have to empty your pockets. You're going to have to do the hard work. And I know it's inconvenient to... Let some stuff go, but you got to let it go. You need to check your pockets and see what keys are still in there. Not what happened years ago that you hadn't let go of or that you hadn't been able to release forgiveness for or whatever it is. So there are some things that don't travel into the future. Like unforgiveness or bitterness or addiction or anger or fear. Or We've probably all got things that we need to let go of. We got to lay them down. We want the future that God has for us. Let's read Isaiah 43, 16. I'm going to start by reading it to you in the Message Bible. And then we're going to look at look at King James. Isaiah 43, 16. This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean. Who carves a path through the pounding waves. The God who summons horses and chariots and armies and they lie down. And then they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. You know what he's talking about, right? When God brought the children of Israel out of slavery and Pharaoh's army came after him, and he split the waters and then covered it back over Pharaoh and all their enemies and killed them. He's reminding them how big and how powerful he is and that he took care of the past. He took care of the thing that was chasing them and trying to enslave them. And then look at the instructions from God. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Just tell them, you got to forget about it. Okay, yeah. I was awesome back then. I was faithful. I came through. I did these good works. And and you were slaves. and, And Pharaoh came after you. And I killed him. And then he said, now, forget about it. You gotta quit going over old history. Why? Because if you're stuck in the past, you're never gonna walk into the future that God has for you. We talked about that last week. You gotta let go, like Paul said. I I don't have it all together, but one thing I do is forget the past. I press on for the mark, for the call. Look at what it says next. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? Saying, can can you see it? Do, Do you not see what I'm trying to do? You know, disappointments can be tied to destiny. If you can see it and know it, You see, it's all about perspective. King James says right there where the Message Bible said, don't you see it? King James says, shall you not know it? How do you see it? You can't be afraid to step into something new. That's what faith is. Trusting that God knew this was going to happen and He'll use it. You see, what he brought up there to the children of Israel at this point they weren't slaves to the Egyptians they were actually in bondage to the Babylonians at the time that Isaiah was prophesying this so why did he bring up back when they were slaves to the Egyptians and God brought them out and God brought them through remind them of that story to then talk about the new thing he's going to do remember when they were when they were brought out of slavery and it was different. It was hard in the desert. right? They had to trust God, and some of them started complaining because that was hard. And, and we read it, and we think, well, that's crazy. Like They were complaining and getting mad at Moses because they were brought out of slavery, and now they're free, and they were complaining, saying, well, at least in Egypt we had food to eat. At least back there it was comfortable. And it sounds a lot like us. You know, when we come out of slavery or when we come out of our addiction or when we make a decision to walk in the new that God has for us, a lot of times it's uncomfortable. When we're trying to form those new habits and when we're setting up the new disciplines in our lives, and, and a lot of times it's uncomfortable and we think, man, it'd be better to just go back. I mean, I'd rather just go back to where I was. At least it was comfortable or at least that was fun or at least I felt good or at least, like, this is hard. On the way to freedom, on the way to the promised land, it's not always comfortable. But that's how we get to the new. Look at, look at how the King James words that same scripture. Isaiah 43, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters... Which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse and the army and the power. They shall lie down together and they shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things. Alright, so that word former, it's a Hebrew word. And it's a Hebrew word, zakar. And so it says, remember ye not, or forget the former things, forget your past. And the funny thing about that word is it doesn't mean amnesia. That word that was was used there by the writer, it, it doesn't mean that you just don't remember what happened in your past, that you just somehow forgot about it, right, because you remember your past remember things that happened in your past. You can't just have amnesia and forget it. Here's the cool thing. The Hebrew word that was used there, this is what it means. It literally means to stop mentioning, stop listening, and to stop talking about. See, your past has a voice. And if it's all you're hearing and it's all you're thinking about and it's all you're talking about and it's all you're listening to and you, you know that one person that comes around and all they talk about is the negative things in the past and there's no hope, there's no future, there's no, it's just all, they're just stuck. He says, stop mentioning, stop stop talking about it. There are some things in your life that you need to stop talking about you need to do the hard work and find some healing and press in and maybe it's not time to tell that story because you haven't found the healing and worked through the trauma and, and allowed God to use it it was a part of your life it was a chapter of your life but it is not the underlying theme of your whole entire story It was just a part. It was a chapter. You were meant to move on and heal and grow and and allow God to use it. It's not the underlying theme of your whole story. You know, if I wanted to destroy you, I would try to get you to focus on the past all the time because you can never change the past. Right. If, if all you do is focus on the past, you'll never change anything. You'll never walk into the new because you can't change the past. And there's no hope in the past. Hope doesn't even exist in the past. Hope only exists in the future. So if I could get you to focus on your past, you'll have no hope and you'll never see change. I don't know about you, but in my life I want to see change and I want to have hope. Hope. When I wake up in the morning, I want to have a hope for tomorrow. I want to believe that the word is true when it says that God has a plan and hope for my future, for good. But if I'm stuck in my past and focused on my past, and that's all I think about, and that's all I talk about is my past hurts, my past pain, my past trauma, or my past victories. See, it's not just the bad stuff. If all I'm focused on is how good the past was, too, then... I'm never going to walk into the future. Or if I finally preach a good message up here, and then all I do is focus on the good message I preached in 2022, and then all the ones in the future aren't going to be any good because I'm just so focused on the last one. God made us to where we would remember the past, we honor the past, we learn from the past, we grow from the past, but we don't get stuck in the past we keep looking forward because our hope is in the future. Our hope is moving forward. See, I can learn from my past. I, I remember my past. I don't have amnesia. But if I give it power, it'll keep me from the new thing that God is trying to do in my life. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. It doesn't mean it's easy. Just because I just gave you a Bible verse that says forget it and don't remember those things. That doesn't mean it's easy. When God says to do something, it just means it's possible. It doesn't mean it's easy. Oh, oh, that's all I got to do. Cool. But it is possible. It's possible to move on. Verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? And I want to stop right there because this I found really interesting. Behold, I will. So I will do a new thing. Right? It's like God saying, I will. And so I went to look up that word will in the Strong's Concordance. Because all the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And so I went to see what Hebrew word was used there to see if there was more meaning in this. And you know what the Strong's Concordance told me? That word will was just added in later by people, but it wasn't in the original text. It wasn't in the Hebrew. It's just an add-on later. So when Isaiah said it, he said, behold, I do a new thing. Or I am doing a new thing. That changes it. And then when I jump over and I read it, how the NIV words it, the NIV says, see, I am doing a new thing, which is more in line with the original text and how it was written. I am doing it. I am a new thing. I'm doing a new thing right now. Can you see it? Can you perceive it? Can you believe it? Because I'm doing it. God's like, I'm already doing the new thing. It's what I do. It's not something I'm going to do one day, or I, like, I'm doing the new thing. Can you see it? Can you get in line with it? Can you believe it? Do you want to be a part of it? Because I'm doing it. Behold, I do a new thing. Can you see it? if you're not open to the new or to stepping into the new thing, then you're not in on what God's doing. Think about that. God said, you want to know, here's what I'm doing. I'm doing a new thing. So if you're not willing to be open to the new thing or to step into the new thing, then that means you're not in on what God's doing. You're only willing to be in on what God did. Because that's familiar. Because you've already seen him work. Awesome. That's praise. But faith is believing him for what he hadn't done yet. It's two different things. So I don't want to just get in on what God did. I don't know about you, but I want to be in on what he's doing. I want to step into the new thing of what he's doing now. The freshness, the life, the new, the new wine, the new anointing. Of what God's doing now, not just what He did. That's the old wine. So you don't have the power of the new, the fresh. Maybe you don't feel alive or you don't feel like you're growing or you don't have faith for the future. So you'll step into tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. But you won't build a future. And you'll see other men rise up and change the world and leave their mark and build legacies. And you think, well, how, how, how is he doing this and this and this? And how is he changing the world? And how is he helping so many people? And Because they're willing to step into the new let go of the past and continually be seeking God for what's next what's fresh what's alive what's new I'll change my mindset hey this way of ministry is not working anymore what can I do to change it up hey maybe it doesn't look like we've ever seen before but this is what we gotta do now there's a new anointing for a new day we gotta change our mindset we gotta change the way we think about some things if we wanna see the new that's faith. God set it up like that so that we would trust Him. We would believe Him. If we had a perfect pattern, step by step, this is what you need to do to have the life that God called you to live. Here's step number one, two, three, four. All right, cool. We do the steps. We got this awesome life. We changed the world. We, but then are we just a bunch of robots? Because without free will, there can be no real love. God created us to love Him and to love each other, and so we have free will. So we get to choose. And I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for that, but there's no 10 steps to be everything you should be as a human. We got to trust Him, we got to believe Him, we got to be willing to change and adapt and be what He's called us to be. I want faith for the future. Um, Jesus said, when he was being tempted by the devil, I was thinking about this. When the devil was tempting Jesus when he was a man on the earth, and remember what Jesus said to the devil? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Proceedeth. That word that was used there, it means every word that's coming out. Like right now, what God's saying, the the fresh bread. If you will, the fresh, not old, leftover, not what God said back then, like every word. Jesus said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth. If you want real life and you want to really live and step into your future, you got to listen for what he's saying right now. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, not yesterday's word, a new and a living word. If you're not doing a new thing, then you're not doing what God's doing. See, some of y'all want God to, to do a new thing in your life, but you're not changing anything in your life. You gotta change it up. I promise your future is better than your past. I promise. So I used to worry used to make me feel bad because I was raised in church and around God. And I believe, like, I have a relationship with Jesus. And I believe he died on the cross for my sins. But but I couldn't remember. And I'd have people ask, like, well, when did you get saved? And I couldn't remember a date or a time that I got saved. Like, I can't tell you. 1987... uh, walk down to, and, and some people can and that's awesome for some people but I used to feel real bad like God, maybe I'm not saved if I maybe I don't remember the time that I that I gave my heart to Jesus so maybe I'm not it used to be kind of like scary like think, oh, m- maybe I need to maybe I need to say the prayer and, and get saved, what if I'm not what if I didn't give my heart to Jesus but see, I'm to the point now that I can see so much fruit in my life from my relationship with God that I don't question whether I know Him. And just because I can't point at the time that I realized He was real or surrendered my heart to Him, I don't question the fact of, is He real or is He not real? Why? Because I know Him or I have a relationship with Him. See, You can't convince me that he's not real. He changes me. He pushes me. He makes me want to be better. He makes me want the new. He gives me compassion for people. See, like, you can't convince me, no matter how hard you try, that Jesse's not real. Right? She's my wife, and. I know she's real. So it'd be really dumb for you to come up and try to convince me that she's not real. You could show me a three-hour documentary that's saying all these facts and reasons. Um try to convince me that she's not real, but I know she is real. And there's even fruit from our relationship that's proof. Hey, Mal. Our kids. I know that she is real now you could convince me maybe that somebody I don't know maybe they're not real maybe I'm not in a relationship with them maybe I'm not saved maybe there's not a real God maybe Jesus didn't love me or maybe I but in real relationship the doubt goes away So I don't care when you gave your life to Jesus. That was great, and I'm really glad you did. But it's okay if you can't even remember when you did give your life to Jesus. I don't even think that's the most important thing. I want to know if you're giving your life to Jesus right now. That's a whole lot more important to me than one day when you were eight years old and you gave your heart to Jesus cool have you given it to him since like have you have you given your life to him since then have you sacrificed have you given any of your time talent treasures to like what what are you giving to him now awesome one day back then you got saved cool but what about now that's more important if you gave him your life when you were Six years old, but you hadn't been giving it to him ever since, then you probably need to revisit that because that's just like a participation trophy. All right, cool. You're a Christian because you're going to heaven one day, but you're not doing anything, there's no relationship there. God wants relationship with His kids. He wants you to spend time in His presence. Why? So that you can be transformed. That He can heal you. And you can be whole and free. He said, I'm doing a new thing. Where do we leave off? Verse 19. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall Spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Remember, Isaiah started his prophecy off about reminding them about what God did to Pharaoh and the army, right? And at that time, it was the water was their obstacle. That's what was in the way, and God got rid of the obstacle. And then God tells them, forget about the past. I'm doing a new thing, and now God's ending it with what? Even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So what's God saying? Like way back then... What I did and how I did it was move the waters and use the waters to kill your enemy because that was your obstacle. But now you're in the desert and you don't need me to move the waters. You need me to bring some waters. And so in the past, what was your obstacle is now going to be your blessing. So stop trying to put me in a box and think that if I show up, I'm going to have to move some water and there's no water here. So I'm not going to show up. Like You need to let me out of the box because I'm trying to do a new thing. I actually am doing a new thing and you need to see it. If you want to be in on it, you're going to have to see it and believe it. You got to look for me because it's not going to look like it used to look. This time I might bring the water. This time, I might use the thing that was stopping you before. Now it's going to be the blessing that you're praying for and that you need. I might use your past story and your hurt and your trauma now that you're looking for me in a new way. That might be the thing I use to give you a stage to speak what I need you to speak here in the future. But if you got me in a box and think, well, that was the enemy and that was my problem and that was my thing, then I can't use it in your future. There's a new thing, but you're going to have to see it. You might have to change your mindset a little bit. You might have to change the way you think. But I'm trying to do a new thing. And where it said in that verse we just read, it said, um, shall you not know it, I will even make. That word, um, see, when we think of it, like God said, I'll even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And that word make, it's a really cool word. But it is not a miracle word. There are some Hebrew words that mean a miracle, instant. This word is not a miracle word. You know what it means? It literally means to create a process. Wait, God, what what do you mean? God said, I will do the impossible, but it's a process. Hold on, God. I thought you said you were going to give me the new and you were going to bring me healing and do a miracle in my life. And God said, I will, but it's a process. You're going to have to walk through it. It might not be instant. You might not find your healing and your wholeness, and you're not going to just say, Oh, God, give it to me, and then there it is. It's going to be a cost, a sacrifice, like we talked about to start with. It's a process. I will do the impossible, but it's a process, so don't quit keep starting new chapters don't give up don't stop because the last chapter didn't look like you wanted it to look don't believe the lies in your head that say I would be better off as a slave I'm going back I'm going back to where I was back to my addiction back to my what do you fill in the blank don't go back because where you're at right now is hard no keep doing the hard Life's hard. You choose your hard. One hard is going to get you to where you want to be, to the future that God has for you, and the other hard is going to just keep you in the past. The other hard is just going to keep you held back and out of your future and not changing anything and not growing and never fulfilled and never having real joy and no hope. It's both hard. I never said it was easy. God, Jesus never said it was easy. but God said he'll make it good. It's to create a process. It takes consistency. We don't give up. We don't quit. When somebody asked me, do you love your wife? I'd say yes. When did you fall in love with her? Well, I saw her and I thought, no, like when was the exact minute? Like when was it like you didn't love her and then you did love her? Was that like after she gave you a present or did something just click or I don't know. Like that's not how it works. It was a whole bunch of things. It was a lot of stuff that made me love her and fall in love with her and choose to love her. It's a process. It's the same thing as going to the gym. If you decide, hey, I'm out of shape, I want to get in shape, I'm going to get me a gym membership and start going, and then you get in good shape. And I say, hey, when did you get in good shape? There's been a process. When did I get in good shape? Uh, Last Tuesday at 347. That's when you got in shape? We know that in our bodies. That's not how that works. One intense 10-hour workout doesn't get you in good shape and ready for the fight ready to compete no it takes 20 minutes a day for 8 months or whatever you know a, like a change and then it's going to take discipline and consistency right uh, it's a process it is to create a process to make new patterns when'd you get good teeth When I went to the dentist and got them cleaned. No, that's not when you got good teeth. It was deciding to brush them. Two times a day for years. It's not about one moment of intensity. To live the kingdom life and to walk into the new and to build a future. It's about discipline and consistency. Obedience. Pastor Bruce says, obedience is a slow and steady walk in the same direction. Uh, It's doing what you know you need to do. It's taking the next step and walking in the direction you need to walk. And it's even when you don't feel like it it, Can I say especially when you don't feel like it? That's when it's the most important to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, To be the men and the women that we're supposed to be. That's what obedience looks like. Oh, I've tried that. That didn't work for me. Try again. All right? Do you want to see the new thing in your relationship? Like, do you want to have a good marriage? Maybe it's going to take some counseling. Well, I tried that. It didn't work. It might take a little more than like you just keep going. You it takes some consistency, some discipline. If you want to live in the new thing that God has for you, it's gonna take some discipline. It's gonna take some consistency. And he says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can you see it? If you wait for the miracle to prepare for the miracle, then your miracle is gonna catch you slipping. If you wait until the season starts to get in shape, then you'll be winded and you're going to miss out on a victory. If you will not change your mindset, it will explode when God sends the new. I know it doesn't look like you thought it would look. I know the way you've always done ministry doesn't work anymore. I I know your parents would have never done it that way. But hear me now. If you do not embrace the new, then you are in for much loss. A new anointing for a new day. God gives grace for today. There is a different power on you than even that that was on Paul the Apostle. Because you're dealing with the internet. Right? God gives us grace for today and for the times that we're living in. To whom much is given, much is required. You've been given technology and transportation. It can be a great thing or it can be a very bad thing, depending on what you use it for. Where you go, what will you do with it? Will you invest in people? Will you sacrifice for humanity? Will you, will you let go of the past? Will you give, sacrifice of your time, your talents, your treasures? Will you have enough faith to make your tree fall forward into the future instead of backwards into the past? Look what Jesus said in Mark 2. This is the last scripture we're going to look at. Jesus said this to the disciples in Mark 2, verse 16. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, and Jesus just overheard them saying to the disciples, How is it that he hangs out with these bad people? When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need for a physician, but they that are sick... I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You get what Jesus is saying? People that don't know they need help. It's hard to help somebody that doesn't know they need help or won't admit that they need help. Jesus is like, I came for people that are willing to admit they're broken. And really, that's all of us. We all need help. We all needed Jesus, every single one of us. Like, we're all broken. We all need help. We all have areas. But you're never going to find help if you won't admit you need it. You're never going to change anything if you don't admit anything's broken. That's the first step. And the disciple, wait, I skipped one. came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance and the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast and they come and say unto him why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast but thy disciples fast not and Jesus said unto them can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them as long as they have the bridegroom with them they cannot fast but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them and then shall they fast in those days. Look at these last two verses. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles or old wineskins; else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. Right, and So used to they used to have these wineskins that were made out of skin. And old wine could be contained in an old wineskin because it was done growing and fermenting and moving. But if you were to take a new wine and dump it into an old wineskin, then it would continue to grow and get bigger and it would explode the new wineskin and you would ruin not only the wineskin, but all the wine would be lost because it would pour out on the ground. And so Jesus is saying... You can't pour the new wine into an old wineskin or it's all going to be a waste. You can't move into the new the way you are. Have you ever tried to change anything in your life? Like, have you ever wanted change or tried to change? You probably have. I have. Like, maybe you said, oh, I'll never do that again. That was it. That was the last time. I'll never go there again. But then you did. I'll never drink again, or I'll never be late to work again. Psychologists say that that usually lasts about six days. I'll never do that again. For the average human, that in about six days, you do it again, whatever it is for you. I'll never do it again and then you do you know change is hard have you ever dated somebody and it went bad or you got in a relationship and realized oh man that person's crazy so you break up with them and you get with somebody else and you realize my God they got a lot of baggage you break up with them and then you get with somebody else this time God sent him And then after a month, you find out he's got the same crazy as the first one. He's just like that other guy with a different name and body. So you break up with him real quick. You know what I'm talking about? You say, how is it possible that I keep dating the wrong person? Maybe they were all dating the wrong person. So we go through the life and we don't want to look at what was the common denominator here and maybe I'm looking for a new kind of relationship I'm looking for a new thing but I've not let God do the work on me I've not given a new wine skin so when you pour in the new or something living something growing something alive it just keeps busting and wasting because I've not prepared myself I'm still just doing the same thing and expecting God to Give me the new. But I've not prepared. Trying to have a new relationship with the old you. It just doesn't work good. Jesus is saying when you put the new into the old, it's still growing, it's still expanding. And the old is not growing anymore. And so it's not going to work. When you get to a point in your life where you think you've reached it and there's no more growth for you and you're not willing to consider the new or consider the change or consider it, then you've then become the old. I don't ever want to get there. I want the new that God has for me. And I want it for you. So if you want the new, get ready to become the new. Stop stepping into tomorrow and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and start creating a future intentionally. This is what I want and this is how I'm going to get there. And it's going to be hard. There's going to be some tough things, and there's going to be some times I feel like quitting, and sometimes I feel like running away, but I'm not going to because that's where I'm headed. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to run. I want the future that God has planned for me. You know, that's what happens when we meet Jesus. He gives us a future. We were all dead in sins, the Bible tells us. We had no way to a relationship with God, no hope for a future, and Jesus died on the cross and gave us all hope, gave us all a future. I don't know about you, but I want the future that, the future that God has for me. Remember when, I'll close with this, this thought. Remember, um, I know you've heard it before that Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1. It's probably crossed your mind while I've been preaching, especially for some of you uh, older people or people that have been around church a lot. It might have crossed your mind that Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1, there is nothing new under the sun. Well, Dusty, you're preaching this old message about the the, the new thing that God wants to do. And, and, And Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun because... You know, the reason I bring that up and the reason it popped in my mind is because I've had that said to me by people. Boy, oh, there's nothing new under the sun. It's all the same. It's going around the same thing. There's no new nothing in, there's nothing new out there. There's nothing new under the sun. And I don't think that's true. Right? I think I think old Solomon old Solomon we might want to take that with a grain of salt because if you go read Ecclesiastes 1 it's pretty obvious that old Solomon was having a real bad day you know he said some other things in Ecclesiastes 1 that you wouldn't want to build your life or your future around right he also said it's all meaningless Relationships and food and drink and life and helping people and just, it's all meaningless. So if you go build your life around Ecclesiastes 1, I feel sorry for you. So for you to just pull out that thing and say, well, old Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. It's not going to get you to the future that God has for you. Because you don't build your life or your future on something said by a cynic or on someone who has given up on the future. or someone who tells you, "Oh, what's the point? Oh, why should you fight? Why should you dream? Oh, everybody does that. Stop being so hard on yourself. Oh, what's the point? You can't change anything. Right? You don't, like that's just how it is. There's no point that's where that's the place that Solomon was at in this well I've tried everything and nothing have, nothing works nothing bring. you don't build your life around the advice of someone that's in that place What's the point in dreaming if you believe that what's the point in sacrificing why would I take my hard-earned money and give it to somebody in need or give it to church or why like if I believe that there's nothing new and that God's not doing a new thing and it just is what it is and that's what it's going to be, then my mother-in-law says it is what it is until it's not. <laughs> I guess she's right. God said I'm doing a new thing. All throughout Scripture, I'm looking and I'm, I'm we read today I broke it down and looked up the words in Hebrew for you and everything. And God says, I am doing a new thing right now. I'm doing a new thing. So you want to believe Solomon, who said there is nothing new under the sun, or you want to believe God, who said I'm doing something new under the sun. Right? Like I'm doing something new on the earth. Can you see it? You want to be a part of it? If you choose Solomon and his view of reality, then there will be nothing new for you. If you don't believe there is anything new, then there will never be anything new for you. you, That's what you think. That's what you believe. Then you're never going to see the new. You'll never step into it. God is all about the new. His mercies are new every morning. I'm so grateful for that. Scripture tells us that every morning you wake up, His mercies are new. He said, I'm going to give you a new covenant. Hey, I came to to bring a new covenant. And in fact, I'm going to take your old heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a new heart. That's what God says. That's what God says in Scripture. That's his plan is I'm going to give you a new covenant, a new heart. I will make you into a new creation, Scripture says. I want to transform you in every area of your life and your heart and your mind and your soul from death to life. There's not a bigger transformation than that. I want to bring you from death to life. And then, you know, Scripture teaches us that, that God's plan is that He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. I know you've heard that. God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. I get the fact that he wants to make a new earth because we're pretty good at messing stuff up and we're messing this one up pretty fast. As hard as we can. And, and you know, with sin, And I get that God's going to create a new earth, but then that made me pause this week when I was thinking about this message because I'm like, well, then why, why is he creating a new heaven? It's not broken. That thing's in perfect condition. There's no sin there. I'm pretty sure the angels aren't polluting heaven. Why does God want to create a new heaven? Because God loves the new. Yeah, the past was great, or yeah, the past was bad, but then God's like, yeah, but I'm doing a new thing. I want you to trust me. I want you to have faith. I want you to be in on the new thing because it's what gives you life. It's what gives you joy and excitement and and hope and power for the future. It was good for yesterday, but not for today. I'm doing a new thing. Can you see it? Do you believe it? God, we want the new thing. God, we want to see you. We want to be in on what you're doing. We don't want to be in on what you did in the past. Yeah, we're glad if we were. And we'll remember that and we'll draw strength from that and we'll let it energize us from the inside out. But we don't want to be stuck there. We don't want to be stuck in an old mindset that keeps you in a box that limits the power of the new thing. God, we understand that it's a process. It's not an instantaneous miracle every time. And so our commitment is that we're going to obey you. We're going to listen for your voice. And we're going to press in. Because we want the fresh. So we're going to do the hard. We're going to be obedient and consistent. God, we love you. We thank you that you keep giving us chance after chance after chance. We Thank you for grace and mercy. And that you never give up on us. God, we want the new. God, we're praying for the new. Pour it out on us as we prepare our hearts and our souls and our minds. You can stretch us. We're okay with that. God, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing. Most of all, thank you for who you are, a good father. Father loves us. We love you too, Dad. In Jesus' name, Amen.